I'm Jocelyn K. Gly, and this is Hurry Slowly, a podcast about pacing yourself, where I explore how you can be more productive, creative, and resilient through the simple act of slowing down. Today, I want to talk to you about a concept called tender discipline, which I've been thinking about pretty steadily for the past six months. It's a funny phrase, tender discipline. Not unlike hurry slowly, actually. One of those phrases that asks you to hold two opposing ideas in your mind at the same time, and then somehow make sense of the tension. Being able to do this successfully is what the writer F. Scott Fitzgerald called the test of a first-rate intelligence. But I would say that it's simply the price of sanity in the 21st century. The ability to balance what's being asked of you with what you're asking of yourself, which is no easy task. And the seed for this idea of tender discipline was actually planted almost four years ago. In the summer of 2014, I went to see a healer. And I didn't know it at the time, but she would go on to have a major impact on my life. And as we sat down together for the first time, she asked me a question that I found rather bewildering. She said, who are you without the doing? As a deeply achievement-oriented person who loves making stuff, I found the question difficult to process. I tried to think about it, but the question seemed to make something short-circuit in my brain. Every line of thought seemed to lead me right back to where I started with my actions, the stuff I did, or the stuff I like to do. So I tried to think of a quality, something that could stand alone. Curious, I said. That still involves doing something, she said. Curiosity is about seeking answers. I thought a little bit harder. Playful, I said. That still involves doing something, she said. Play is an activity, not a state of being. Who are you without the doing? I searched and searched, but I couldn't come up with an answer. Who was I when I wasn't in pursuit of a goal? Who was I when I wasn't trying to use my mind or my body to achieve something? Who was I without all the trappings of work and my professional identity? I didn't really know. And I didn't find the answer that weekend or that month or even that year. It wasn't until four years later when I went back to see that same healer again. And in the lead up to my visit, I had been chatting with her on the phone. And I was telling her about all these things that I was trying to do, like switching to a healthier diet and exercising more. And I was lamenting the fact that I had not been able to make those changes yet. And she said, be tender with yourself. Maybe you're not quite ready to make those changes. Maybe you just need more time. And I thought, huh, be tender with yourself. What a foreign concept. I mean, of course it sounded nice, but I also wondered, could I really get anything done if I took that attitude? What about the importance of discipline and showing up and putting in the work? We've been socialized to think of discipline as a sort of clamping down, this idea of buckling down to get the work done. But what if discipline wasn't about clamping down, but rather opening up? And I started to contemplate this idea of tender discipline. And of course, as it often happens, once you open up your mind to a new possibility, some pieces of the answer started to pop up. One of them was a book called Shambhala, The Sacred Path of the Warrior, 
by Changyum Trungpa, a meditation master, teacher, and an artist who founded the Naropa Institute in Colorado. And it offered me some new perspective on the ideas of both tenderness, which in Western culture we often think of as soft or even weak and feminine, and discipline, which we often think of as strong, driving, masculine. Here's Trungpa on the power of tenderness. He writes, Developing tenderness towards yourself allows you to see both your problems and your potential accurately. You don't feel that you have to ignore your problems or exaggerate your potential. Far from making us weak or soft, what developing a tender attitude towards ourselves actually does is bring clarity. Clarity about both what you can accomplish and what you can't accomplish, so that you needn't continue in this vicious cycle of taking on too much and constantly being overwhelmed because you're afraid to admit to yourself that there is no way you can actually accomplish all of these things that you've committed to. Instead, you can see that your potential energy and attention are not infinite, and you can see when you've committed to too much and it's become a problem. By seeing yourself with tenderness, you can see your situation clearly, which is the first step in breaking out of this cycle of overcommitment that so many of us fall prey to. Here's how Trungpa extends this idea to discipline. He writes, When you look in the mirror, you can appreciate what you see without worrying about whether what you see is what should be. You can pick up on the possibilities of basic goodness and cheer yourself up if you just relax with yourself. Getting out of bed, walking into the bathroom, taking a shower, eating breakfast— you can appreciate whatever you do without always worrying whether it fits your discipline or your plan for the day. You can have that much trust in yourself, and that will allow you to practice discipline much more thoroughly than if you were constantly worrying and trying to check back to see how you were doing. I like his idea that discipline is not about making yourself do something, as we often construe it in Western culture, but rather trusting yourself to do that thing. The discipline doesn't come from the outside. It comes from the inside. Here's Trungpa again. You have to completely conquer the feeling that there's something fundamentally wrong with your human nature and that therefore you need discipline to correct your behavior. As long as you feel the discipline comes from the outside, there is still a feeling that something is lacking in you. So letting go is connected with letting go of any vestiges of doubt or hesitation or embarrassment about being who you are. You have to relax with yourself in order to fully realize that discipline is simply an expression of your basic goodness. You have to appreciate yourself, respect yourself, and let go of your doubt and embarrassment so that you can proclaim your basic goodness. If you are waiting for your discipline to become immaculate, that time will never come unless you let go. I think this idea of seeing your basic goodness is at the root of the question that I started with, the question that I didn't know how to answer four years ago. I went back to see that same healer this past summer, right after my 41st birthday. 
And she asked me that same question again. Who are you without the doing? And it had been such a long time since I saw her that I had completely forgotten the question. But I realized that it had been kicking around in my subconscious that whole time since my first visit. And now I was surprised to find that I did have an answer. So now I'll ask you, who are you without the doing? Building a practice of tender discipline and learning how to work in a sustainable way is deeply tied to finding your way to an answer for this question. Because you cannot be gentle with yourself if you don't know who you are without the doing. And you cannot find out who you are if you don't occasionally take a break from the doing. If you're intrigued by this idea of tender discipline and you would like to explore an approach to productivity that is intentional, energizing, and inspiring, my new online course, Reset, which launches early next year, will walk you through exactly how to do it. I just posted a step-by-step outline of what you'll learn during the course, which you can preview at reset-course.com. If you take a look, you will quickly see that it's an utterly new approach to productivity. One that is designed to help you let go of anxiety and overwhelm so that you can work in a calm, confident, creative way. That might sound too good to be true, but it's entirely possible. And I've spent the past 10 years figuring out exactly how to do it. So once again, that's reset-course.com. Dot com if you're interested in giving your workday a cosmic tune-up. When Hurry Slowly reappears in your feed two weeks from now, I'll be in conversation with writer and economist Tim Harford, who wrote the book Messy, The Power of Disorder to Transform Our Lives. Tim is an incredible thinker, and we dig into some pretty nerdy topics like why piling stuff on your desk is more effective than anally filing it away, and how a concept that he calls slow-motion multitasking is the secret to pushing truly remarkable creative projects over the finish line. I want to thank Lorraine for asking great questions and helping me become a less anxious human, Matt Susich for lots of tender discipline in producing this episode, and Devin Craig Johnson for creating our theme music. Thanks for listening, and remember to take your time. Mm -hmm.